We're going to talk to you this morning about spiritual warfare, uh, about giving Satan the advantage in our lives. And do you know that we can all do that? We can give Satan an advantage in our lives. And if you give him an advantage, he'll take it. And not only will he take the advantage you give him, but he'll push it as far as he possibly can. And his aim is to destroy your life and destroy your testimony. And every day you're in a, a battle, you're in a warfare, although most of the time you don't think about it. <clears throat> but you need to recognize, no, I'm in a war, I'm in a battle, and you need not to give the enemy any advantage at all. You ever see a football team playing, <clears throat> and one team loses one of the players, then the other team has an advantage. It's easier for the other team to score goals because uh, they've got one player uh, more than you have. That's the idea with Satan. He'll take all the advantage you give him and don't give him any. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. And let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you bless now as we look to your word? And, oh, Lord, we know the enemy would like to even disrupt this for your people. Lord, would you cast him far away from this room that he cannot do anything to hinder or to hold back? And, Lord, would you let truth find its mark in hearts and lives uh, that we might know victory in this warfare that we're in and that we might not have our lives ruined and torn down by him. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> First Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Now, when God tells you to be sober, be vigilant, he's giving you a warning. And you know, remember when Peter, when Jesus said to Peter, listen, Satan has desired to sift you, Peter, and, and, and Peter said, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't know. I, I, I won't give in to him. Uh, uh, he was a fool because Jesus was warning him, and he needed to be, take on board the warning and go, okay, all right, but he didn't. Now, when God tells us to be warned and we're not warned, we always get hurt. Right? Be sober, be vigilant, right? <clears throat> so uh, uh, you're to be vigilant, you're to be on your guard, on your watch. The idea of being sober is to be calm, collected, clear. Uh, don't get excited in this thing, don't get all bent out of shape. Those are the moments he'll go after you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy. <clears throat> now you might think you haven't got an enemy in the world today, you might think everybody likes you, uh, but you do have an enemy, you have an enemy that hates you and would do anything to destroy you. He would do anything to tear you down, uh, to tear up your testimony, uh, to <clears throat> stop you from speaking forth from God. For any of you in this room today, and he's, he's all too successful at it. You know, <clears throat> how many people do we see that come to church for a while and then they're, they fall down, they fall <clears throat> apart, their lives get wrecked and ruined? How, how often do we see that? Right? Um, let's be aware of that. Let, let, let's understand that. <clears throat> Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So here's, here's, here's what's happening. He's on the prowl, out there, in here, wherever, on the prowl, looking for whom he may devour. You know, he's sizing us up all the time, looking to see uh, if he can take advantage of us, uh, looking to see if he can actually, you know, catch one of us, looking to see if he can bring one of us down. And what he's going to do is he's always going to look uh, and, and, and check the situation out and test you out to see, hang on, I might, I might get some ground there. 
He's always at it. He's always roaming about. I mean, he's testing you out. He'll test you today. He'll test you tomorrow. Uh, he'll look and he'll wait for his moment and he'll pounce. He'll go after you. <clears throat> Verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Don't give him any quarter. Stand against him. Stand in this, in, in, in this war. Do you know that oftentimes the person that wins the fight is the one that won't give up? Not the strongest. The one that won't give up. Don't give up in this. Thing. Don't give in. He's always looking for you to give in, for you to relax, for you to let go so that he can actually take you. You're supposed to be sober, be vigilant. There is a plaque on a beach in in the UK, it's on Slapton Sands, and it commemorates 700 soldiers, American soldiers, that lost their lives in a training exercise. They were out on that beach, and they were training, and they were actually training for the Normandy invasion. They were training for how they would approach the beach uh, on that Normandy invasion. What they didn't notice, though, that there they are <clears throat> having a training exercise on a beach, and some German gunboats saw what was happening, and they came up nice and quiet, and they just started blasting away. And 700 men never even got into the war. They never got past training because they weren't on their guard. They weren't watching out. Your enemy's like that. He's trying to get you. He's trying to catch you. And he will do anything he can uh, to catch you and to tear you down. Our, our verse, 2 Corinthians 2.11, says that Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, question for you. Are you ignorant of his devices this morning? Are you ignorant of Satan's devices? What we're trying to do this morning is we're trying to get not ignorant of his devices. We're trying to not give him an advantage. We're trying to not let him have his way uh, in our lives, right? <clears throat> now, how are you going to do it? Well, <clears throat> Uh, the passage there in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 10 and 11, is actually dealing with the issue of bitterness. Failure to forgive. Holding on to hurts that have been done to you that you don't let go of. And he will always use those in our lives. Always. Look at uh, Hebrews 12, 15 through 17. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, uh, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Right Now let's just uh, tease through that. We've looked at it before, but let's tease through it again. You have to look diligently. Why? Because you know what? There's a danger in this for you. Do you know everybody in this room will have a reason this week to get bitter? Something's going to happen in your life. You live in a broken world with broken people. Somebody's going to go cut across you and do something wrong on you that will give you a reason to get bitter. <clears throat> so he says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Do you know there's grace? There's supernatural enabling power to avoid getting bitter. But you can fail to grasp it. You can fail to lay hold of that, <clears throat> of that grace. You can fail to lay hold upon uh, the power God gives you not to get bitter. And then what happens is a root of bitterness springs up. And when a root of bitterness springs up, it has the power to take over your life. It will trouble you, and many will be defiled. 
<clears throat> and then he says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person. Do you know that bitterness, when we're bitter, we give ourselves permission to do whatever it takes to make ourselves feel better? That's, es- Esau did that. Esau <clears throat> was hungry. But wasn't it really silly that he gave up uh, his birthright for a bowl of soup? Wasn't that really silly? Well, no, he was bitter. He was bitter and he didn't care. <clears throat> the, the birthright was primarily spiritual. It was primarily a spiritual position. And he didn't care and he was bitter. And so, you, you know what? He gave it up for, for a bowl of soup and later on he, he wanted it. And do you know that when you get bitter, you'll do all kinds of stupid things. You, you, you make all kinds of poor choices. And the enemy knows that. The enemy knows that if he can just get you to the place where you're bitter, uh, he can use it against you and cause you to do all kinds of foolish things and, and, and use it to destroy you and tear you down. You need to reject bitterness. You see, forgiveness is particularly a Christian grace. And many other relig- religions make, make a virtue out of revenge. But Christianity says, no, no, no. Forgive. Let go. Release it. Don't hold on to it. Somebody's going to do you wrong this week. Maybe somebody's done you wrong this past week and you're having a hard time struggling with it. You need to let it go. You need to release it. You need to let, it, <clears throat> let, this, thing, let this thing out of your hand because if you don't, you're going to get bitter. And if you get bitter, <clears throat> it's going to cost you. You see, Matthew 18, 35, you know the passage in Matthew chapter 18. Um, Jesus is telling the story uh, about the man who was, owed, who, who was owed millions by one of his servants. And he calls the servant in and, the, and he says to the servant, you owe me money. Where is it? And the guy says, I haven't got it, but I will get it for you. And he says, no, listen, I'm, I'm going to put you uh, in prison. And the guy says, please, please don't do it. He asks for mercy. And so the Lord gives him mercy. And he says, okay, you're forgiven. I forgive you all the debt. And then he goes out and he, he, he grabs a guy that owes him just uh, a small amount of money and he, and he brings him in. He says, pay me the money you owe me. And the guy says, I haven't got it. Please give me time. And he says, no, I'm not giving you time. And he has his family all cast into prison. And so then the first Lord hears about this, the guy who had forgiven the large amount, and he is furious. He is furious with him. <clears throat> and, and so he goes after him and he says, wicked servant. I forgave you all that money and you just took and you just had your, your, your other servant thrown into prison for, for just a small amount of money? Oh, you're a wicked servant. And he took him and he had him given to the tormentors. Put in prison, given to the tormentors until it was all paid. Right? Now, uh, do you know that the forgiveness that God asks us to, to give is a picture of what he's forgiven us? Let me ask you, what, what do you and I deserve today? Where, where, should, where, where should I be headed for eternity? Hell. Is that right? You should be headed for hell too. Perhaps this morning you are. Perhaps this morning you haven't come to the place where you've trusted Christ as your Savior. I deserve hell. But you know what? My master forgave that debt and put it on his son and paid the price in full. Now, you know what he says to me? He says to me, now, listen. You go out there and you'd be like me. Forgive, even as for Christ's sake, God has forgiven you. And when I go out there and somebody hurts me and somebody does me wrong and I won't let go of it, you know, God's not happy. 
God's upset. And, and the, the whole purpose of the story in Matthew 18 uh, is ver- verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. You and I are supposed to forgive. We're supposed to let go. We can't harbor bitterness towards people. Now, I understand this is kind of a difficult area. And I understand that, you know, when it comes to the idea of forgiveness, you can't just, uh, you know, ignore the fact that somebody's done you wrong. If somebody comes and asks your forgiveness, you're supposed to forgive and let it go, let it free. And <clears throat> but even if somebody doesn't, you can't hold on to it. I mean, that will change the relationship, but you've got to let it go. You can't harbor bitterness in your hearts. You've got to give it over to the Lord. You've got to put it in his hand because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Give it to him. You can't harbor it. You can't hold on to it. You see, it's, it's, a, it's a, <clears throat> a, a very particularly Christian thing that we're, we're, we're being called to do here. We're being called to let go of the wrongs that people have done us because he's let go of so much wrong I've done him. <clears throat> uh, the Lord's Prayer says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts, our debtors. Basic to our Christianity is this idea that we forgive. Now, it's not basic to our human nature, mind you, but it is basic to our Christianity that we forgive. Is there somebody you're holding a grudge against because they did you wrong? Is there somebody, when you think about them, your heart just kind of ties in a knot and, oh, you just get churned up because of what they did to you? You know, listen, you've got to let it go. You've got to release it and let it go. You can't hold on to it. If you hold on to it, it will destroy you. Somebody said this, that bitterness uh, is like drinking poison and waiting on the other person to die. It doesn't happen like that. The poison will kill you. The bitterness is the poison in the situation. Let me read you something. Uh, I can imagine uh, when Christ said to the little band around him, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Peter said, now, Lord, do you really mean that we are to go back to Jerusalem and preach the gospel to those men that murdered you? Yes, said Christ. Go hunt up that man that spat in my face and tell him he may have a seat in my kingdom yet. Yes, Peter, go find that man that made that cruel crown of thorns and place it on my brow and tell him I will have a crown ready for him when he comes into my kingdom and there will be no thorns in it. Humped up that man that took a reed and brought it down over the cruel thorns, <clears throat> uh, driving them into my brow, and tell him I will put a scepter in his hand, and he shall rule over the nations of the earth if he will accept salvation. Search for that man that drove the spear into my side, and tell him there's a nearer way to my heart than that. Tell him I forgive him freely, and that he can be saved if, we, if he will accept salvation as a gift. Isn't that our Savior? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We can't hold on to the hurts and the bitterness and the problems, that peop- things that people have done us. If you do, it will devour you and you will give the enemy an advantage over you that he will grab. He will grab it and he will use it. So the first thing is, if you're going to <clears throat> not give him advantage, you've got to reject bitterness. Reject bitterness. You can't get bitter. Second thing is this, stay close to God. <clears throat> Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's talking about the, the section on spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18 is that, that section that deals with spiritual warfare. And it starts off by telling us that we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do you know that you are not able for Satan by yourself? <clears throat> you and I are not strong. Sometimes we think we are. Sometimes we get the idea we can handle anything. 
We're really at our most dangerous when we come to the place where we think we can handle anything. You and I are not strong. Spiritually speaking, uh, if I go up against Satan on my own, I haven't a hope. If I go up against one of his demons on my own, I haven't a hope. You're talking about supernatural beings. You're talking about people with power way beyond what I have. And way beyond what you have. If I go into that battle on my own, I'm finished. Now, Satan would dearly like to get you in that battle on your own. One of the things a lion will do when the lion is trying to capture a prey is it will try and separate out some animals. I'm sure you've seen it on the, <clears throat> on the, um, uh, the, the nature shows uh, where the lion goes in and he tries to separate out some weak, maybe some calf, something, and get him separate from the crowd. And he tries to get him on his own because, you know, with the whole herd together, he has a hard time getting anybody. But when he gets one running off on its own, uh, he can get that. That's what God wants. Uh, that's what the enemy wants to do with you. He wants to get you uh, separated from God. He wants to get you in the place where your fellowship with the Father is broken. And we think little of it. We think little of sins. Well, it's only a small thing. And fellowship gets broken with, <clears throat> with God. And when, when you and I harbor unconfessed sin, our fellowship gets broken. First John 1 John 1.6 says, uh, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Do you know there are a lot of people that say, Oh yeah, I, I'm walking with God. I have fellowship with God. But you're walking in darkness and you're lying. You're not talking the truth here. If there's sin between you and God, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You see, Satan sees the break in your fellowship and he goes after you. We've got to understand that, you know, it's not a case of, you know, I can afford to sin today and say, okay, well, you know what, in the morning when I'm having my devotions, I'll get right with God. You can't afford to spend a whole day with broken fellowship with God. You're out there with a roaring lion and you've got no protection. He's going to, he's on the prowl. He's looking. You can't afford to do that. You need to stay close to God. You need to stay close to your Lord. That's the only hope you have of surviving against this roaring lion that's out there to get you. He wants an advantage. He wants to get some advantage. And if he can tempt you to sin and pull you away from your Lord, he knows you can't fight him. You might not know that. You might think you're able for it, but he knows that you can't fight him. He'll go after you. Do you get angry with somebody out of turn and you just carry on the day with that anger in your heart? And you justify it. Did you tell a lie that you didn't make right? Did you steal something that wasn't yours and you took it anyway? Were you cruel when you were supposed to be kind? Was there something you did that broke your fellowship with God? You need to stay close to him. By the way, I am certain that every believer in their hearts knows when the fellowship's on and the fellowship's off. Don't you know with, with, with somebody else uh, when, when your fellowship has a problem, when, you, when your relationship has a, 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 you have a problem with somebody? Don't you know you, you can sense it from somebody? Yeah, you can sense it from God too. You can sense it. You can sense those moments when, hey, what's wrong, Lord? And he, he desires fellowship, but he'll show you what's wrong. He'll show you where the sin is. And, you know, sin is easy to deal with. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, deal with it. But when you just carry on regardless, 
and the sin is there and it hasn't been confessed and it hasn't been made right, you break fellowship. And the enemy knows it. They'll go after you. Because he knows you're no match for him. You've got no armor. You've got nothing out to protect you from him. So you've got to stay close to the Lord. <clears throat> Third thing you've got to do is <clears throat> you've got to be careful of pride. Now, now, let me say this. We have a tendency towards pride, all of us. <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, humility, again, is a particularly Christian grace, but we all have a tendency towards pride. We all have a tendency to look at what we've done and to take credit for it. Nebuchadnezzar had a problem in this area, and God sent him out in the field for seven years to uh, live like a cow so that he could learn that he wasn't all he thought he was. Um, Daniel 4.37 says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways, judgments, uh, and, and his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Why? Because he did it to me, he says. I spent seven years eating grass uh, to show that, you know what, I wasn't, I wasn't the man. I just thought I was. Now, it is easy for you and I uh, to think <clears throat> proud thoughts and to think that we're great. <clears throat> six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, and the first one is a proud look. <clears throat> Listen, why? Because that's Satan's sin. Satan's sin is to take what God had given him and to think, you know what, I am. I'm pretty amazing. God had made him, God had created him, God had given him wonderful work. He was uh, the choir master in heaven, many believe, because there was music in him. And so he's standing there and he's thinking, I, you know, I'm, I'm as good as him. I'm as good as him. Yeah, he wasn't. He was a created creature and God ended up going to war with him and kicking him out of heaven on the head of it. And so you know what he did? He went to the garden. God's special place where he created these two beautiful beings that lived in such closeness and with such joy and blessing and enjoyed fellowship with God and, and he said to Eve you know what God's just holding out on you Eve that, that's why he told you not to eat that he knows if you eat that fruit you'll be as good as him and he doesn't want that and Eve said oh that's what I want and she took the fruit and she gave it to Adam and Adam took the fruit and didn't go very well did it <clears throat> see this pride thing is something that really has an impact on us and we're very susceptible to it. We're very susceptible to take credit for what God has done in our lives and to think we are the people. We're not. You know, I'm constantly amused every time I read the, uh, the, the, the parable of the, uh, <clears throat> the Pharisee and the publican, uh, the Pharisee and the sinner. You know, <clears throat> when you read it, I thank God that I am not like this other man. He does this and this and this and this. And I don't do those things. That's me. That's you. We think we're great. Now, listen, why don't, I do, why don't I do those things? Because Jesus. That's why. Not because I'm better, any better than anybody else. I'm not. I, I kind of have an idea of how bad I'd be left to myself. I've kind of seen a couple of pictures that I wasn't happy seeing. You know, <clears throat> that's, and you know, neither are you. Left to yourself, you know, you'd be pretty bad. 
The fact that you've got anything good going on in your life is because this wonderful man called Jesus was willing to pay the price for your sins and take and deal with it all. He, he put it all on the cross. So Paul says, I will not glory save in the cross of Christ my king. Why? Because I'm nothing to glory in. And neither of you and I. See, pride is always a red flag for us. The stirring of pride, the, the lifting of pride. Somebody says something nice to you, you know, and you catch it and you, you want to know more about it. Stirring of pride in our lives. Listen, <clears throat> pride's always a red flag. Pride's Satan's territory. He's good at that one. He's good at stirring that up on us. He's good at stirring pride up on us. When you catch pride in yourself, confess it right away. Lord, forgive me. What a thought. Lord, without you, I'd be nothing. See, humility is just something Christians are. Let me give you one area where you, where you can test it. Freeman Gooch taught me this. Uh, he said, uh, if a person is willing to admit when they are wrong, then that is evidence that they are maturing. If they won't admit, they, if they won't admit it, then they are neither mature nor maturing. How do you do when somebody tells you you're wrong? How do you do when somebody points out to you an error in your way that needs to be changed? How do you respond to it? You know, it's okay for you to say, well, I'm just a worm, I'm just nothing, I'm just nobody, but don't let anybody else ever tell you that. Because you'll react all over the place when somebody says something like that to you. But what if you need to be corrected? What if somebody comes to you and says, you know, this is not right? Do, do, do you go on the, into, into attack mode? You know what? That's a clear example of pride in your life. And deal with it. Because, look, God loves you and he's got great things for you. But you know what? When you're proud, he stands against you. That's what he says. God resists the proud. And not only does God resist you, but you know what the enemy says? The enemy says, oh, great. And he goes after you. And how often do we prove the truth of pride cometh before a fall? We lift it up in pride, and the next thing is we collapse. Because pride cometh before a fall. Then the fourth thing we need to do is we need to resist the enemy. <clears throat> Don't give him an advantage over you. You need to resist him. We've read our verse. Be sober, be vigilant, uh, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, he's out there looking to get you. You need to stand against him. You need to be aware, first of all, of the warfare that you're in, and you need to stand against him because he wants to get you. He wants to tear you down. So you need to be standing against You need to be watching out for the different things he's going to throw at you um, because if you don't, he'll get you. I read a story about a man who was terrified of crocodiles. He lived in Florida. He was terrified of crocodiles, so he never went in the water. Because he was always terrified that a crocodile would get him. One day, uh, he waded in, just, it wasn't very deep, it was very shallow water, and a three-legged crocodile uh, with half a tail caught him and ate him. You know what? For a moment, he dropped his guard, and a crocodile got him. Listen, you can't afford to drop your guard as far as the thing is concerned. You need to be vigilant. You need to watch out. Because he will get you if he possibly can. <clears throat> 
Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and all supplications for all saints. That's at the end of the passage on spiritual warfare. Right? Do you know that you're in a war every day this week? Do you know the person sitting beside you is in a war every day this week? God says, pray for each other. You can't handle this by yourselves. Pray for each other. It doesn't, doesn't it break your heart when you see somebody going down? It does. It breaks my heart when I see somebody going down. Uh, you know, you see somebody and they're doing well and they're coming along and they're doing fine. I can give you a list of names, but you know what? <clears throat> you know, they're, 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 they're do- and all of a sudden the enemy gets in there and he, and he tears them apart. And you can tell it when you talk to them. Something's happened. Something's changed. The enemy's gotten you. <clears throat> and doesn't it break your heart? You know, but, but here's, here's the thought. Do we pray enough for people? I was stirred this week to pray for some people. Because the enemy would like to get them. He'd like to get you. He'd like to get me. We need to pray for each other. <clears throat> We're in a battle. We're in a warfare. Uh, a warfare we can't see. And a warfare that we can pray into, though. Remember Elijah and Elisha? <coughs> sorry, Elisha and Gehazi? Uh, Gehazi came out and he said, Oh, master, there's an army out there. They're, they're going to kill us. And Elisha said, Don't worry about it, Gehazi. Let me, let, me, let me show you what's really out there. Lord, would you open his eyes and let him see? And the hillsides around were covered in, uh, in, with angels and chariots of fire. <clears throat> and, you know, we need to understand that's actually a picture of the spiritual reality out there. That there's a warfare going on that we can't see, but we can pray for each other. We can pray for each other to be wise, to be aware, to actually see, uh, to watch out for those things. <clears throat> we need to pray for each other. The second thing, is for James 4, 7 says this. It says, submit yourselves to God. All right, so listen, you have yourself to God. You're not going anywhere in the spiritual warfare if you're not right with God. Okay? <clears throat> but he says, submit yourself to God, yield to God, and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I think, hang on a minute, that, that, that kind of is a bit hard to take. I mean, he's, he's stronger than us. He's a supernatural being, but he has to obey us. That's what it's saying. Resist him, and he will flee. Why does he flee? Well, he doesn't flee from you. He's not afraid of you. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't give him, uh, you don't give him uh, any nightmares at all. He's really not afraid of you. But he is afraid of Jesus. And when Jesus tells him go, he has to go. Don't you love that when you read in the New Testament, Jesus would come up and he would say, uh, leave this man alone, and the demons would leave. And they'd even ask him permission, or don't send us into the deep yet. Can, can we go into the swine? He said, okay, go into the swine. They were completely under his control. You know, <clears throat> there was never one of them that says, make me. He just had to speak a word and they went. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Well, he gives you that kind of power too. He says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Now, <clears throat> here's what you've got going on in your life. You've got some days that are going to be tough days. You've got some days when the enemy's going to sit in your tail and try and tear you down and try and do all that he can uh, to destroy, to wreck, and to ruin you. And sometimes you'll feel like, nothing I can do about this. Oh, yes, there is. You can call him on it. You can tell him to leave you alone. That you're under the blood of Jesus Christ. 
that you belong to him and in Jesus' name, you're commanding him to go. And you'll be amazed at what happens. Because you have power in Jesus to command him to go. The Bible says it. Jesus told us that we have power in this area and we have it so you can tell him to go. But you know what? You've got to submit yourself to God. You've got to be right with God. You've got to be walking with God. You can't be in the place where there's a distance between you and God because he's not afraid of you. Remember the demons, <clears throat> the sons of Siva in the, in the book of Acts? Uh, there were these guys and they were, and they were casting out, uh, they were casting out de- demons in Jesus' name. And the demons looked at them and they said, hang on, Paul we know, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And they fell on them and they devoured them because they weren't afraid of men. They're not afraid of men. You're supposed to submit yourself to Jesus. You're supposed to give in to him, walk with him, don't let anything come between you and him. And then you can resist him and tell him to go and he will go. And you know what? I have found in my life, just on, a, on, on several occasions, I've told him to go and the Relief was instant. Caught him in his game, and the relief was instant. And that's not weird and spooky. That's just, you're right. In the Lord. Just let him go. I think maybe we need to do it more often uh, in our lives. <clears throat> but resist the devil, and he will flee. You see, here's the problem. The problem is you and I are in a warfare we can't see, and if we're not careful, we'll be destroyed. We'll be absolutely destroyed. We were in Hungary this week, and we <clears throat> worked with a group, group of people. And <clears throat> some of these people are just broken and hurting. And here's why they're broken and hurting. They're broken and hurting because someone they trusted, they found out to have sin going on in their lives that dated back 30 years. And this person lived in sin, and... And they didn't know it, and it just, when, when it all came unglued, they came unglued with it too. And they're hurting. There are people that are just struggling with it. Now, what happened? I know the guy. He's a good guy. What happened? You know what? The enemy got in. The enemy got a grip with something. And he pushed and pushed. And eventually, it all became apparent and a lot of things got destroyed because of it. Do you know the enemy said, great, got what I want. Do you know that he'd like to do that in your life? And <clears throat> you can think, no, he never did that to me. Yes, he would. And you thinking he could never do that to you is just the kind of ground that leaves you open to it. The enemy wants to take your life and destroy it. But God has given you power over the enemy. Are you better this morning about something? Something gotten in to your soul that's just chafing. You need to deal with it. Now, you may need to get help dealing with it. I understand bitterness can be easy to talk about and hard to deal with sometimes. But you can't afford bitterness. If you're bitter this morning, I guarantee you, he's got an advantage over you. And he wants to use it. Are you close to God this morning? Is there some sin, or maybe you're in the habit of doing some things that, listen, grieve God, and you know it, and you don't get it right. See, this person I'm talking about, they did something that was wrong. They didn't get it right. The enemy went after them, and after them, they kept on doing it. 
And one sin piggybacked on another sin until until they were destroyed. You can't allow little things to come between you and God. You've got to stay close. You've got to keep things clear. You've got to keep things right with God. Is that pride in your life? Is that pride in your life where, you know, you look at yourself and you look at the things you've done and you think I'm pretty amazing? You know, maybe you've been through addiction and, the, and God has changed your life and you're thinking, you begin to believe the, what people say about you, how wonderful you are. That's dangerous. You know what? If anything good is happening in your life today, it's because of what Jesus did. And that's not just addiction. That's the rest of us too. If there's anything good in my life today, it's because a man called Jesus paid the price of my sins and he put his spirit in me and listen. I need to be forever grateful for that. And you know what? There's no reason for pride. We don't have a reason for pride. We ought to humbly thank the one who did it all for us. And then are you resisting? Are you standing against the enemy? Are you letting him have his way in your life? You just relax your guard and you give in and you you let it happen. I can't can't fight this. I I don't want to. And, and, And you let him push. And you need to stand up and in the name of Jesus Christ tell him, <clears throat> you got no place in my life, go. Needs to be real. Submit yourself to God. There needs to be, that needs to be real. You can't, listen, he'll, he'll smell the lie. If you're telling him to go, but really your life <clears throat> is not submitted to God. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Look, this is a scary message. I understand that. But you know what? You have no reason to, reason to be frightened. Because God has laid out everything you need. You do have reason to be careful. Be sober, be vigilant. But you know what? If you're sober and vigilant and you walk close to God, you can live a great life and you can go to your deathbed looking back over a life that is blessed. Looking back over a life that's had impact. Because that's what God wants to do with your life. But if you let down your guard, he'll devour you and your life and spit you out and not only damn wreck your life, but use your life to wreck as many people's lives as he possibly can. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Let's stand for prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we ask you to speak to hearts this morning, Lord. I believe you have been. I believe that you have been touching hearts. And Lord, may there be business done with you today. Lord, where there's bitterness, Lord, may uh, people reject it. May they let it go. May they not let it in, Lord. And, oh, Lord, where they need help, Lord, may they seek help. And, oh, Lord, may they be able to get free of it and let it go. And, Lord, where there's pride, Lord, uh, would you show it to people that they might see it and they might reject it and walk away from it? Where there's sin that comes between uh, them and you, Lord, may it be forsaken and left behind. And, oh, Lord, where there needs to be a stand, a firm stand against the enemy, may that be real and true today, Lord. And, Lord, <clears throat> may this people know victory because they're submitted to you and standing against him. Now, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the blessing and the and the power you give us in the word. Lord, would you watch over us, Lord, that we might win and have victory, not just today, Lord, but throughout our lives. We pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen.